Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hello and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily. And I'm Christy. We're just two gals in our 20s trying to live our best type 1 diabetic lives. Every week we tackle a new topic from the diabetic perspective. Although we offer tips, we are not medical professionals, but we also offer plenty of anecdotes and general thoughts about how to embrace the type 1 lifestyle on your own terms. It's not always easy to do through all of the literal highs and lows, but it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Christy. And we are so excited to be back for season three. We have missed you guys so much. And to kick off the season, we have an amazing special guest, Libby Russell from I Have the Sugars on Instagram. And she is here and we're so excited. Hi, Libby. Hi, guys. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. That was the most synchronized welcome I think we've ever done. It was beautiful. We almost all broke out into harmony. Season three is here. I can feel it. Season three is going to feature an acapella component. I have a meaning Uh to tell you guys, Um, but I think we'd kill it. (laughs) We already have, like, vocals. Anyways, moving on. So, (laughs) Libby, why don't we kick things off with hearing about how, you know, like, what you do. I know you have a day job on top of being a social media human. Um, yes. but we love, I love your t-shirts that you have on your sugar shop. So if you want to just jump on in and give us your little tidbit on that before we, you know, deep dive into diabetes. Sure. So about, I don't even know how many years ago now, uh, I was a blogger, like an old school blogger, uh, that was <laughs> starting, right? You're like, what is a blogger? Uh, <laughs> that started uh, I have the sugars because I was a very lonely type 1 diabetic in college that didn't have any diabetic friends and didn't really want any diabetic friends but then I figured I could sort of like go online and maybe sort of curate my own world and possibly find the ones that like I connected with a little bit better um, so eventually that led to an Instagram and uh, through the advice of my roommate at the time. I remember I was like sitting on the floor of my apartment in Boston. What up? Um, Apartment. (laughs) And um, I remember it was like, this Instagram thing seems to be really blowing up. You should try it. Like see if it works. And here we are now. I actually just hit 13,000 followers this weekend, which is so surreal. Congrats. Um, Thank you so much. I was just like, you guys do not know. I am not worthy of 13,000 followers, but but I so appreciate you all. (laughs) You are. You're cool. You're real. That's what people want to see. Like, everyone sees people with these perfect straight lines that they're posting on their Dexcom, and I'm over here like, I'm hella stressed. Uh, My blood sugar is not straight, and this is real. This is diabetes, and I feel like you really are good about that, about being real about it. I think that's why I avoided having, well, not necessarily avoided, but it's why I don't think I sought out diabetic friends for a while. I was so scared. I was scared it was going to add more pressure because I didn't want it to turn into, I'm doing great today. How are you? It all made me nervous. Yeah. Well, it also feels like another layer of commitment, right? It's like only in the past year or so would I say I have like really good diabetic friends. And I was so scared to like invest in that type of friendship because 
then you're talking about diabetes even more than you are in your own mind. Right. And, like, that's a little nerve-wracking. And you don't want when you go out to lunch and you check your blood sugar for it to be a conversation. Right. Oh, my God. That's all I talk about. Oh, how many units (laughs) are you going to take for that? I don't want to do that. Yeah, my first... uh, my first ever diabetes friend, Ian, he actually just did an Instagram takeover for us last week, but we were eating lunch in the dining hall um, our sophomore year of college, like right after I was diagnosed, and we both like whipped out our meters to take our blood sugar, and I just vividly remember having this realization moment, like, holy crap, like, this is hilarious, this is, yeah. this is something that like I've never been with someone else doing before. Isn't it so surreal? Like it's bizarre. I, it's also like I, I am sad that I waited so long. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and you know, you think it's going to be this huge commitment, and it's going to create all this pressure, and you're going to compare yourself to other people. But like at the end of the day, it is the most intense bond, and like just real blood family sisters. vibes. Yeah, <laughs> blood, just, blood sugar. I was literally texting sisters. with Rob Howe and Lauren uh, Bongiorno this morning. Shout we had out. like we a group them. text that just started and I was like why it's taken like however many 15 10 to 15 years for this thing to come to fruition and it's like we're siblings on a family chat like honestly I text Rob Howe all the time and Lauren just to see like what's up I mean it's insane because when Christy and I started this podcast as you know we continuously remind people why because we were these you know scared little nuggets that found each other in college and bonded over the fact that hey we can complain to each other and we finally found Mm -hmm. someone that understands it Uh, that's like something that has really been a huge turnaround in my life in dealing with diabetes is even just having one person there so totally even though christy's like you know a couple hundred miles away in boston it's you know it's the sunday phone calls that we have and recording for pancreas pals and getting the messages from people being like i don't know anyone else who's diabetic and listening to your podcast makes me feel like i have a friend and someone who is a pal who can be there and i'm like yes that's what we want yeah (laughs) it's amazing it's amazing that social media has become the outlet for that and that is what my whole goal was when i started like i kid you not i was the first one there and i was like hello anybody (laughs) (laughs) and now people have like separate accounts just for their diabetes stuff and like as much as I have mixed feelings about that, I love that people have realized that there's a whole world on Instagram that can allow us to connect and so many DMs have become real friendships and it just I think it's awesome. It's it easy awesome. to it's easy to think you're almost the only one. Like if you're the only one in your immediate family and friend group oh, yeah. who has had it, it's so easy to think you're the only one in the world and that this is something you're gonna handle quietly and you don't have to tell people like it can be something that you deal with on your own forever and then once you start being more comfortable talking about it it's amazing how much more yeah it's just (laughs) just how much more you want to talk about it because it doesn't have to be this it's not a scary awful thing yeah Yeah. and it doesn't need to be a secret exactly it's not shameful and I feel like there's such a stigma, especially with, you know, differentiating the types of diabetes and the connotations between the two that for a while I was like embarrassed to say I was diabetic because I didn't fully, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, people still don't really understand the difference. And I'm not saying anyone with type two should be ashamed or embarrassed, but like it's, it's a disease that has a certain connotation right now. And totally. it's, so it is, there's always going to be until we talk about it, which, you know, there's going to be a stigma just like anything else in the world. Sure. So we just lend in our voices. But back to you, Libby. Um, tell us how, how the t-shirt situation started. So 
I remember also in college, like part of my whole issue about having diabetes, I mean, I was fairly new to it when I went to school, but I, um, I only really had exposure to some of the organizations that did like walks and it was, that was all I really knew about diabetes advocacy was like, it was a bunch of families with really young kids that came together to do walks and there was really antiquated merch and like just dated stuff and everything when you went to the doctor everything was so clinical and medicinal and there was just no personality behind like the test kits that we were given and I just remember thinking like this is gross like I don't want to feel like I'm forced to have these you know accessories that are a ugly b clinical and C, don't make me feel confident enough to be public about having diabetes. So when I was in college, I thought I'm always, I was going to make a bad line. I always wanted to like find a way to start a line of something that was really interesting and fun and hip and like a little bit like me, which is like a little funky, a little hippie, a little, <laughs> you know, jock, like a mix of all the things. And then I was like, I don't know how the hell to design bags. And then boom, there was my Aesthetic. Like two years later, my Aesthetic popped <laughs> up. And I was like, okay, never mind. You guys are great at it. I'll let you do it. <laughs> so I am a copywriter. So some of these like one-liners just started coming to me a little bit naturally. And I'd been keeping track of them for what felt like years. Um, and yeah, then I found Tee Public, And they're an amazing partner. And they make it really easy for me to have this line while also holding down a real person job. Um, and that was kind of how the Sugar Shop was born. And it's a lot of fun, and I love it. That's amazing. Do you have any new yeah. stuff coming out? I know you're constantly dishing out new stuff, but... Yeah, I actually just posted some new designs this weekend um, for Valentine's Day. They actually have nothing to do with Valentine's Day, because Valentine's Day sucks. <laughs> it's my birthday. Uh, I, it's the best birthday. It's the stupidest holiday. I agree. I um, only celebrate it as my birthday. I've never celebrated it. I like it. Valentine's Day. I mean... Nothing against uh, the the significant others out there, but it's a silly day uh, <laughs> that just makes people feel bad. Um, but yes, I wrong. launched um, a new shirt that says "Let the Good Shugs Roll," and inspired by some a lot of the like retro stuff that's been coming out lately. Um, and I just had a lot of fun with the typography of this one, and it's just like a happy, positive one that doesn't as overtly say diabetes on it. Because um, fun fact, I still struggle to wear my own shirts. Um, I still think sometimes I'm like, ugh, okay, I like it's easy to make this really public for other people, but sometimes I still struggle with it. I so mean, it's literally like on some level, you're, I mean, you're completely owning your diabetes with it. So it's reconstructing yeah, the narrative, which is amazing. Incredibly impressed by the people yeah. who just loud and proud rock the shirts, and I'm like, that's why I made these. <laughs> but I still struggle myself sometimes. So we're all like that. I mean, I. Yeah. I'm all. I'm wearing one it. right now, actually. But other <laughs> than that, have type have house. type ones ever recognized or like picked up on the joke behind any of the sayings and approached you about it? Not out in the wild, no. But <laughs> it seems I've had some people say that it's happened to them while they were wearing them. So whether they were like at a coffee shop or walking around, they've had people approach them and say something. But that's like the ultimate awesome, cool factor about it is that. Like, I was wearing a Make My Pancreas Great Again shirt <laughs> on a run last summer, uh, and I live in Brooklyn, which is not a very MAGA-friendly neighborhood, <laughs> and I had a couple double takes, and I was like, no, 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 don't get the wrong idea, but also, yeah. please look at it and realize what I am trying to say, but, like, <laughs> it is it is a good conversation starter, for sure. Yeah, and it's a good way for 
you know, especially for the, the kiddos with it to, yeah. to be able oh, to be absolutely. more comfortable. The, the taco, I will test for tacos and Diabetosaurus Rex are very popular with the kiddos. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah, I love those ones. So when were you diagnosed, if you want to give us a little tidbit about that? Sure. Well, I was 17 years old, so I was Me at too. prime. Really? Twinsies. <laughs> the prime age of, like, I'm an adult, but also I know literally nothing Trying about Trying to get ready adult. to go to college, and then an organ yep. casually just breaks on you. Yeah. Yep. I was, like, an athlete, thought I was going to play lacrosse in college, like, totally had myself together. Actually, envy my seventeen-year-old self. I was so organized. Oh, I was so I driven. Look, I think too. about I think about that all the time. I know. Me I too. was like in such good shape. Yep. But yeah, this was kind of a giant smack in the face, and didn't have the best experience in the hospital. Um, and that sort of was part of what led to like my bitterness for the next five years because I was treated terribly. I didn't have a good um, diabetes educator. Um, you know, I was in the hospital, and I, I was not in DKA. I was very, very fortunate to catch it early. My mom is, like, crazy spider, spidey sense lady. Um, <laughs> and I got I caught it really, really early, and it was easy to get me regulated. But, you know, I was given a, a needle and told, go in the bathroom and figure out how to put this into yourself. And Are come you out serious? when you're done. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, classic. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, it was, like, literally, like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm 17 years old. You're going to give me a needle until you go in the bathroom and figure it out? So I, like, no. I immediately had a lot of resentment towards the people that were telling me what to do uh, in the medical field. Um, Retweet. I was right there with you. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what's really sad is that's happened to almost a hundred percent of the people who've gone through this. And I'm so fortunate now. My sister-in-law is a nurse and my boyfriend's brother is a doctor and works in pediatrics. And between the two of them, I'm like, okay, be really nice to your type ones. Okay. (laughs) Cause most doctors are really not nice to them. So it's just interesting to hear people's diagnosis stories because especially with all of the uh, awareness and advocacy work Beyond Type 1 does with like DKA with like their posters and their pamphlets, like people just don't know. They are so unaware of, of what type 1 diabetes means in, in the modern world. It's insane. That's, yeah, so, I mean, that's like, so unfortunate that this is so far from the first story I've heard about poor, right? poor education and Even, kind of a lack like, of sensitivity. I, like, or I guess more me, but I literally... I was somewhere in the middle. You know, you compared, to, compared to what I've heard, I mean, because I was in the pediatric unit, I mean, I was in such a bad place with it that honestly the education could have been better, people could have been more sensitive, and I think I still would have been as down in the dumps so it's so yeah. hard for me to reflect on anything other people were supposed to do because I was so not receptive to it oh but well, that's also part of the problem right is it's like and you have so especially many with teenagers exactly like, I was in a children's hospital as a grown woman coherent and able to check herself in and out and I remember looking out of my room being like I'm taking up a bed from like these really sick kids that are walking around and like I should not be here and you know, I just remember feeling so, like, it was such an out-of-body experience. Yeah. Um, the most annoying thing about the whole entire time was that I was missing my um, high school boyfriend's playoff lacrosse game, and I Aww. missed it. It was devastating. Honestly, like, 17-year-old me was, like, that's pissed. The, yeah, that's, like, the end but of it, the world when you're 17. Because I just a, didn't understand the severity. 
it oh my is God, a big I didn't deal. understand the severity of it at all. My my best friend's mom literally brought me a block of cheese. She's a nurse. <laughs> and she was like, you've always loved cheese. Now you really going to love cheese, girl. Yeah, like, <laughs> like seriously. This is your best friend now. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a standard crappy experience where a lot of misinformation, a lot of insensitivity. You know, the thing that if I were to, like, become a really good person and go fight for changing this this process, I would add a, a layer of mandatory counseling or therapy that immediately was a part of the diagnosis story. I think that the mental health component is the one that takes the hardest hit. Yep. Um, because especially if you're young, like there's no way for you to wrap your head around the permanence of this um, or take it seriously or, or carry the weight of having to do all this on your own. Like absolutely no one can understand that. Um, and for kids, I think parents should get an instant therapist because basically they're being diagnosed with, with diabetes without feeling any of the symptoms. So it's just, it's, I think, I mean, obviously our healthcare system is a disaster, so it's not really the doctor's fault all the time, but... Right. Um, it's just, it's such a, a system shock. And I know oh, all yeah. of my questions, my first couple of weeks, my first couple of visits was like, how do I make this go away? Right. You know, how, right. how can I adjust so my routine by when? so I never yeah. have to take insulin? And they were like, well, yeah. no, you're always yeah. going to take insulin. Right. I, I so had like type two on the mind and I was like, oh no, yeah. like I've heard you can get rid of this. So, so yeah. how do I do that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. still, Christy's, still Christy's path, yeah, to, Christy's to path clear. to diabetes was really intense. So head back to season one, episode one, and listen to our diagnosis stories for how we we were diagnosed. I was diagnosed at 20, and I was a sophomore in college and in Boston, even though I'm from Florida. And it was just a whole thing, and I was misdiagnosed back home in Florida, and yeah. I, yeah, it was just like such a bad situation. But it could have been worse. Like I, I yeah. luckily didn't go into DKA. Like they caught it. I well, technically I caught it before, um, like right before I was actually like going into DKA, but I it wasn't onset yet. So I lucked yeah. out in in a number of ways. But now I'm lucky because now I like. All I want to do is educate people on it. And ironically, or not ironically, but similarly to what you said about doctors and nurses, like they should be schooled on this. I have a really good friend who's a nurse at the Mayo Clinic down in Jacksonville where I'm from. And she was like, have you ever considered a career in like coming into hospitals and explaining to people what type one is and like how to look out for it? And I'm like, no. Didn't even know that was a thing people needed, but yeah, hell yes, like, sign me up. I was like, literally, I was like, no, shouldn't they be educated on this in med school and in nursing school? No. And she was like, well, they are, but it's like not like the the lookout factors. It's not like no. that. It's like how like how to deal cope with it when it's there. Or like, like explain what pumps are or CGMs yeah, or are. I've had a number of doctors and nurses be they like, what's that? And I'm like, yeah. Holy moly. What? Or TSA. Oh, God. Like, don't even get me started anyone. on TSA. Don't I even know, get me started. I know, but I feel like it's crazy. Sean's mom is also a nurse. Thankfully, I'm surrounded by medical professionals <laughs> <laughs> literally all times. But she literally sat me down over Christmas, and she was like, so can you just run this me through this one more time? Like, Because she works at a pretty major hospital in Westchester and sees people all ages, and she was like, I had a kid come in who had autism, but he also had an insulin pump. So he gets put into a special category where people worry that he's not able to manage it on his own. So then then it turns over the power of the pump to the caregiver. And I was like, doesn't matter. He can do it. Like, 
just always know that if it's type one, never take their pumps away. Like yeah. literally ever. I mean, it's crazy. It's terrifying to even think yeah. about that. It's a it's a disabling but, enough condition as it is. I think getting whatever small bits of control and just agency that you can maintain. Mm-hmm. Agency is a great word for it. Because yeah. I mean, control is. I think it's lol. I call it it's like can goal because it's it's a goal, but it's never going to be reached. I think just having just a matter of like technology of it. Like you're not going to be able to figure this out in five minutes of inpatient. But I've been working on figuring this out for twelve years, so I win and I get to keep control of my pump. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that at the end of the day, it's like it's not a it's not a debilitating disease in the sense that a lot of people think it is because we are able to lead normal lives. And, you know, like I, I don't, I can't speak for anyone else, but I know that I strive day to day to make sure everyone knows that this isn't stopping me in any form, Mm -hmm. but it does create many obstacles. Like there is, it's not all, you know, just, Oh, let me give, I know exactly how much insulin to give myself for this. So my blood sugar will be exactly this. Therefore everything's fine. It's like mm-hmm. following up. It's a lot of guesswork. It's checking blood sugars at all hours of the day. It's, you know, or mm-hmm. checking your, your num you know, like your technology and maybe your pump breaks or maybe your insulin's gone bad. There's just so many factors that go into it that make yeah. it so stressful. That's the and type of thing I think people want to hear. I mean, that's something I would have wanted to hear in the hospital yeah. was just like you're gonna live a normal you're gonna live as close to a end quote normal life as possible there's just some stuff you're always gonna have to do and I think yeah. hearing it just a little bit more delicately like it's crazy like I said yeah. I feel like I've heard such more I mean people were given stories. years to live in the in the olden days like yeah I've true. met some people in their 50s and 60s who were like I was told I had 20 years to live because that's it used to be a death sentence because oh, the only way you was. could test your blood sugar was like peeing at on the a hospital. Stick. Yeah, like literally, yeah. people were like, "Oh, I'd go to the hospital and check my blood sugar," and I'm like, "Literally, what? Like, how are you yeah. alive? How can no, you?" No, it's it's so different. I mean, I consider myself old school, Libby. I don't know if you know this. I am still a pens and needles kind of gal. Go, girl. It, it, it live your truth. It is. It is, <laughs> it is. It is just one of these small comforts, and this is, I think, the agency that I'm able to have here. Not having something attached to my body, as long mm-hmm. as my numbers are still, you know, yeah, as, as good as I can be. It just it is a small comfort not having something attached to me. It does mean that Absolutely. I have to check a little bit more often, but like, I'm okay. If it works. With that. It works. My one of my closest diabetes pals, same thing. She's a spin instructor, and she still went back to pens. I was like, how do you? do, you know, three spin classes a day Jesus. and not be able to suspend or do a temp basil or whatever. She was like, nope, doesn't matter. This is still better for me. And I was like, good for you that you know that. Like, honestly, I think diabetics know their bodies better than anyone. Like, yeah, we're so we in tuned. It's are creepy. so in tuned. And like my friends tell me all the time, they're like, how do you know that about yourself? I'm like, uh, I have to have more conversations with myself than any of you people at every second of every day. So like I know myself very well and I know what I need and when I need it. And I exactly. think that that's the, one of the greatest gifts of this disease is that we're incredibly self-aware and intuitive. And I think that people would pay to have that level of comfort with their own body. It's not that it's always a pleasant conversation, but the <laughs> fact that we have that line of communication with ourselves is a gift, and, I think. And I think a huge part of that is just trust. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to trust that 
you're doing what's best for you. And this is something actually Miriam Brand told us or shared her opinion on with us last season. It's something I absolutely agree with. I think one of the best, not necessarily blessings, but I think the best way that I can think about my diabetes every day is like every day really is a fresh page. Like it is a new start every day. Even if you had the crappiest day prior and you're going to have a crappy day tomorrow, you know, taking it day by day and sometimes even hour by hour, if it's a really rough day. Yeah. Those are the times when honestly I would want like a little diabetes shirt on because those are the days when you really have to embrace it and you have to take pride in your self care. That's honestly like where I made a major shift in my care was, and I talk about this a lot, like right now I'm in the middle of a um, series where I'm talking about burnout. I was about to about ask you about that. Burnout and depression or seasonal depression anyway, mm-hmm. because a lot of times the two go hand in hand. And I feel like one of the things that really helped me turn around was exactly that is like, A, stop fighting with your diabetes. It's not going anywhere. Like just give it a seat at the table, let it be a part of your life and Work, learn to work with it, like learn how to communicate with it, learn how to solve the problem that you've been given for the day. I actually heard a kid, like a high school kid in Dallas speak um, uh, at a JDRF summit a couple weeks ago who is like this up and coming tennis stud. He was so cute and he had a great Aww. mentality. And he was saying that um, his dad's a football coach and the way he looks at everything is just a problem that you need to solve. And so he was saying that, like, when it comes to, like, you know, pre-match mentality and how he prepares, he just looks at it as a problem that he needs to solve. So if X equals Y, then what do we have to do with Z? And he was like, it just takes all the emotion at it so that I can focus the emotion on playing tennis, which is what I love. And I was just like, dude, that's brilliant. Like, if you just look at it as a circumstance versus something so personal and so emotional, it leaves a lot of energy for other stuff. And it takes the blame out of it. Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. I was like, I'm stealing that. Thank you, sir. But (laughs) it's really true. You have to just realize it's not personal. It's, it's just a circumstance and yes, it can totally fuck up your day. It can take the joy out of things. It can make things a little more nerve wracking than it would for other people. But as long as you look at it as a problem that you have to solve and not like a woe is me, everything's over, it's ruined, then it's a much easier, easier ballad, uh, ba- little battle to fight. <laughs> You're so right. And I feel like, I mean, so Miriam's our licensed mental health counselor. Um, as like well our, as personal emotional concierge. <laughs> I know. Yeah, oh my because God, she's the sweetest person ever. <laughs> so I'm like... Miriam's like on my speed dial at all times she's oh, and congrats to her she was just recently got engaged we're so happy for her I know I saw um, I love nothing but good things for that girl I love her she deserves it I'm like can I help you raise your children they're perfect I just want to <laughs> can be I be their nanny can, can I be I, their okay. child they need to raise I know, me adopt me <laughs> Honestly. Um, but yeah, so Miriam has been, she's definitely coming on this season. Um, so everyone get pumped for her and no pun intended. Oh my God. Every time I say get pumped, like I, it's something I say in my everyday life, but I can't live whenever alone, I say sorry. it on Pinkers Pals, I just like, I say it so much that a part of me dies a little bit. <laughs> Do you guys but... have t-shirts that say that? No, we should. You, we should make t-shirts. You can, you can, make you some. Yeah, I was going to say, Libby, you can totally take that. It's almost like it has like the swagger of like Vanderpump Rules, but ah, equals. Yes. 
Vanderpump rules. <laughs> I love it. We'll get it. one on Stassi Schroeder and we'll be, we'll be good oh to go. Oh my god, amazing. I'm dead. I'm dead. Anyways, um, so yeah, a lot of really great, exciting things coming up this season. Everyone Yay. go check out Libby's Instagram. Check out her. Really, everything she does is really cool. Um, I recommend her Instagram and her sugar shop, especially her challenge if you want to start it's called um, Give Me Some Sugar Challenge. Give right? Me Some Sugar Challenge. It's all about like self love and loving other things and just like and your little. Your cat. Your cat. Yeah. I mean, he is perfect. Ooh, perfect. also no pun intended. <laughs> Amazing. I'm checking, the, I'm checking this out further immediately. Yeah. I've just been giving like a daily, actually, I haven't done my daily tip yet, but um, little ways to just sort of fight off the winter blues and burnout and just. A little mental health challenge that I know, like, last year I had a really tough time. So this year I'm sort of taking all those learnings. And safe to say I haven't had a really crappy day yet this winter. And I just think that once you go through it and if you're willing to reflect back on, like, all the things that made you feel like absolute garbage during the winter and during a burnout, it's really – those are all tools for the next time it comes around. So Yep interesting the food for thought right now yes there you go em <laughs> yeah so uh, a lot of more fun interesting things some serious things some um you know diabetes fails but i wouldn't say fail because it's not a failure it's just a hiccup and fun things to come this this season and we're so happy follow libby on instagram at i have the sugars and check out all of her amazing t-shirts and her give me some sugar challenge Yes. Um, you have a blog as well, correct, Libby? Yeah, yeah. If you're if you have time to like read long things, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know who does anymore, but it's just I have the sugars dot com. Uh, yeah, you you can really dig back through the archives and sort of see the journey, which is fun. I like to reflect sometimes on how far we've all come. Yes, and yeah. um, you know literacy is great, so we encourage everyone. Literacy to read. is great. Everyone read. Huge everyone to read. It's amazing. Spend time reading. Favorite thing. Um, also, congrats to you both. This is an awesome. I'm so glad to see this flourish and fly free. Thanks, man. Because podcasts are the best. We love we love them. We're we love to fans. listen. Yeah. I mean, I don't like to listen to my voice when I edit these, but that's a personal thing I'm working through. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what they're supposed to be, though, is exchanging different resources, bringing on new options for our listeners mm-hmm. to get involved with so that's exactly what this sure. is and we're hoping to do a bunch more this season so thank you so much for Great. helping us kick off season three because you this got is it exactly... ladies thank you for having me holla so follow also us shout at... out to the u.s women's hockey team they are crushing right now out of the corner <laughs> of my eye amazing girl power yeah miracle on ice play. part two Oh my god, dead. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals. Follow us on Facebook at pancreas pals pp. Um, you know, stay on the lookout for another episode coming your way soon. And thank you so much for joining us, Libby. This was so fun. Thank you. Happy Sunday. Woohoo. Okay, have a Woo-hoo. great week, everyone. Bye, and everyone. Pancreas pals out.